just fine. Catch you when you fall. Be there when you call. It's never too much. I got you real tall. I'm Tania Carr and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Here at Real Talk, we create space for authenticity, awareness and making a positive impact on the world around us. Real talk, real people, real stories. Ngā mahi nui ki a koutou katoa no mai hoki mai ki te kaupapa korero Real Talk. I'm Tania Carr, and today in this episode, you are going to hear the inspirational story of Suze Tana. This episode is really special to me because Suze is my little sister. I'm so proud of her for taking the stage to share her story, especially because she's terrified. She was petrified of public speaking, but she did it and we all felt her words. Suze took the stage at our Real Talk Moonga Rangatahi event in Taitoko Levin to share her story through life, to share her journey through life. She shares how she knew from an early age that she wanted more for her life. And the day that she played with the toy medical kit planted the seed for her to enter the medical profession as a Maori nurse. She shares her experiences of anxiety as a child and the mamai that she felt seeing her own daughter displaying the same signs, giving her the strength to create a better life for her and her whanau. She shares the mamai, the frustration she felt when she wasn't able to come home for our dad's tangi. This is a really heartfelt episode, so thank you for being vulnerable, my sister, and thank you for sharing. I love you so much. Now it's important to note there are some really triggering subjects in this corridor. so if you get triggered by this corridor, there are some support contact numbers listed in the show notes for you to utilise. Here is Suze's story. Yeah. Okay, kia ora whanau. This is my first time public speaking, so bear with me. I'm quite a, an emotional person. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tanya's little sister. This was also last minute. I flew into Wellington on Monday. Tanya asked me to speak, and yeah, so here I am tonight. Ko hekirangi te maunga, ko waiapu te awa, ko horota te waka, ko roa taupare te marae, <laughs> ko te whanau, a roa taupare te hapu, ko ngā tiparau te iwi, uh, ko Suze Tana tōku ingwa. Okay. Oh, that's my, that's our marae, rua taupare marae. I grew up in Cannons Creek in a housing New Zealand state home with my sisters. So if you don't know, we've got, I've got five sisters, so there's six girls. Even though I don't remember much of my childhood, and I don't know whether this is um, due to trauma or just bad memory, I am grateful for my life and my lived experiences. Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, but, I, but we always had what we needed. At times, I must admit, we would open up the cupboards to no food. I remember as a kid, we had a local dairy that allowed to tick things up and for our parents to pay it off on payday, so we never went without. Um, my dad we used to send us down to the shop, and we used to just tick things up in the book. <laughs> Sorry, that was a memory. So yeah, definitely never went without food. At times, we got food parcels from community services, and I remember the boxes would always have milk powder in them. That's when you know the struggle is real. Growing up in a big family meant making meals that would feed us all. 
They usually consisted of boil-ups, mint stews, or sausages cut down, sausages with mashed potato cut down the middle to make the food stretch. I used to be so disappointed coming home after school to a big pot of boil-up on the stove. Um, But now in my older days, now um, I can't get enough of it. I still don't like doughboys, though. (laughs) My dad was the best cook, and he could make a meal out of anything. I am thankful to this day that he taught us how to cook. One valuable life lesson I will cherish. I bet my sisters, Renee and Celeste, in the crowd, laughing at me, to me admitting that I know how to cook. Yes, guys, my taste buds have expanded. <laughs> me and Tanya are probably the worst cooks out of everybody. <laughs> okay, we're not, we're not bad. We're just, like, really simple. Okay. Winter in a cold, mouldy, and damp home meant keeping warm by turning the oven on in the kitchen. I vividly remembered my room having black mould on the walls and the windows were dripping with condensation. As a result of this, I was always a sick child in and out of A&E with asthma and respiratory illnesses. Growing up in the 90s as a child was so much fun. We were always kicked outside to play until the street lights came on. And when they came on, you know, or you knew that was when you got to get your ass home. So... (laughs) So, yeah, that's my whānau there. That's only a little bit of us. But there we go. (laughs) Okay. My dad was an awesome father, but he was also a product of his environment. He was a member of the Monga Mob. So as kids, we grew up around the pad and seeing things that kids shouldn't be seeing or experiencing. I know now that he was masking his trauma and drinking away his emotions. As a kid, I suffered massive anxiety when I heard the clanking of beer bottles, not knowing if he was going to be in a good or angry mood. I would do anything I could to try and distract him or keep him happy. Oh, my God. Well, um, to avoid the violent episodes that occurred in Afari. Afari wasn't always violent. Most of the time it was full of love. My parents are the most softest and kindest people you would ever meet. My dad especially would always tell us how much he loved us and he was always proud of us. Oh, my God. Guys, <laughs> man, I did my makeup tonight too, and I'm like, <laughs> gotcha. Like, I got some photos beforehand, seriously. We walked in two different worlds. My mum's side of the family were wealthy and lived comfortable lives in fancy homes, good suburbs, good food, fun times, and awesome holidays. Maybe here is where my taste for the finer things in life started. Auntie Mary had a toy doctor's kit that I absolutely loved playing with. It honestly looked like what this one here. And I believe this subconsciously, subconsciously sparked my dreams of entering the medical profession. Moving on to my teenage years, I went to minor college in Porirua and had my first boyfriend at 15 years old. I would often spend my days at his house and intermittently went to school to my favourite classes, which were fashion and human biology. I always made an effort to complete my work and pass NCA Level 1 and 2. I knew I wanted more for my life, and I knew in order to get into further study, I would need to have good grades. When I was 14, my big sister Tanya got me a part-time job at Glassons in Porirua. I worked here until I was 17 years old. This experience taught me work ethic, fashion, how to interact with people, customer service, and time management, because I would usually go to my shift straight after school. Working was a 
way to open the doors for future opportunities. I worked a number of retail jobs, and when I was 18, because I had had such a good track record and awesome references, I was able to get a job as a receptionist in a law law firm. I don't think my sister Tanya realizes how much she's shaped me into the woman that I am today. My God. (laughs) The struggle, that's so real up here, guys. (laughs) Okay. I got pregnant it's at 18 to my childhood sweetheart. I grew up uh, I grew up around violence and so to me violence was normal. I was in a physical and mental abusive relationship. When it was good, it was good. But when it was bad, it was really bad. Like my dad, the cycles continue and our men do to us what has been done to them. When Maya was five years old, she started showing signs of anxiety. The same signs that I was living with as a child. She just wanted us to be safe. I just wanted us to be safe. And so I made the decision to leave the relationships. Uh, I have no hard feelings towards my dad. And to this day, we have actually got a really good relationship for the sake of Maya. I want to acknowledge my daughter's whanau, especially Koko Mike and Nanny Steph for always providing for Maya when I couldn't. They say it takes a village to raise a child. My family especially have always helped me with Maya. At one point I was living with Celeste, Tanya. I think I've done the rounds to everybody's house. (laughs) By the way, I flew on a Monday night, came home to my 12-year-old daughter who is now so much taller than me. (laughs) I enrolled at Fitiraya and did a one-year bridging course to get the skills I needed to success apply for a Bachelor of Māori Nursing degree. That's what I wanted to do. I was a single mum on the benefit, and if it wasn't for the, for the help and support of my whānau, I wouldn't have been able to navigate my life of being a mum, studying and working. So while I was studying nursing, I worked at the Potidoa Market selling kaimoana and seafood. That was my Saturday job, <laughs> under-the-table job. <laughs> um, I studied three years of Māori nursing and graduated as a registered nurse in 2017. Putting on the gown and the hat walking to receive my tohu was one of the proudest moments um, of my life. (laughs) I got my first job at Auditor as a registered nurse. I had a hunger for more, so I started my postgraduate certificate at Victoria University. While I was studying, I was poor, so I didn't have the putia to support my further learning, so I investigated scholarships and applied wherever I could. I got accepted, and that paid for my first year of nursing school. There are opportunities out there for us whanau. If you can dream it, you can do it. We are all worthy of being or doing anything we want in life. I was lucky to have surrounded myself with some amazing friends who had had my back. Uh, who had my back always and would be there for myself and Maya whenever and whatever we needed. Surrounding myself with good people has helped me to be the best version of me. Even to this day, my friends remain an integral part of my life. So if there's one piece of advice I can give you now is surround yourself with good, positive people who always have your best interests at heart, who want to see you shine, who will always have your back when you're at your highest of highs and lowest of lows.
Fast forward, I met a new man, and in February 2019, we welcomed our son Tafiao into the world. By this stage, I was more mature. I had grown up. I had a stable career. I was a lady. I was a lady now, and I was finally in a position mentally and financially to support my whanau. I even saved enough money to buy my first investment property with my two sisters. I was feeling stagnant in my life. I wanted to expand my career, access more opportunities, earn more money and chase the sunshine. So in May 2021, we decided to move to Australia. But the good thing for me was that I could utilize my nursing qualifications and so I got snapped up easily. I was living my best life until 29th of December 2021. I received the worst phone call of my life. We were in the peak of COVID restrictions, so coming home was a nightmare. It was so fucking hard not being there with my family and experiencing it all via the internet. Long story short, we applied for an exemption so we could get into MIQ. Unfortunately, because of the restrictions, I was unable to get out for the tangi. And because our, and because I had no reception, I couldn't even be present online do the tangi hanga. Um, it is not normal being mouldy and grieving for the loss of my dad and the blatant disregard to tikanga in regards to tangi during COVID. I'm so close with my sisters, and I still feel like I was robbed of being able to be there for us to support each other and to say my final goodbyes to my dad in person. As soon as I escaped MIQ, we all went to Tupado to visit dad, and this is where he lays. I still feel like my dad visits me, though, seriously. I think he comes to me in bird form, and my neighbours must think I'm really crazy because I always go outside and talk to the random birds that come in. <laughs> There's always just one lone bird that comes and sings, so I truly believe my dad's by my side, and I can just hear him at, um, at the back of my mind just saying, you got this, darling. He used to always call us darling, so he's here. I wanted to thank my friends again for dropping everything to help out with the tangi from Kai to Koha and all that love and unconditional support. I went back to Oz. I was lost with my emotion and how, emotions and how I was feeling, trying to discover how I was going to deal with my grief and continue living. I applied for a role as an Indigenous nurse in the outback of Western Australia, working for or within an Aboriginal community. So these are the, some of the pictures of where I live. I work in a small town called Waluna. I live way out in the Wobs. Thanks, sis. Um, so I live way out in the Wobs. There's only one small dairy in town, and the population is around 300 people. I catch a tiny plane from Perth to Waluna every two weeks. We are the only emergency care service in the outback. I even had to learn how to drive a manual in an old school ambulance. Honestly, there's so, so lucky there's no hills and it's like really deserted because, yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I bunny hop so, which is good. I'm such a determined person, so yeah. <laughs> 
I also had to learn how to dodge kangaroos. I'm shit, I'm shit scared of spiders, snakes, and dogs, and now I'm surrounded with them, so now I have to just face my fears. <laughs> Honestly, there's so many dogs. <laughs> in some ways, I feel like I'm working with my own people in terms of witnessing the effects of colonization. I do a job that I love, and in turn, I earn more money than I could ever imagine, helping me to set my tamariki up for their future so they would never have to experience the struggle that I experience. I'm also, uh, and being a positive role model for all the tamariki in my whanau and even the rangatahi here in this room tonight. I decided to take on this role to help find myself. It meant making sacrifices with my kids and the family life. Maya decided to stay in New Zealand with my whanau. So thanks mum and all my sisters for taking care of Maya. My son Tafio lives in the GC with his, with his dad where I fly back to every two weeks so again I feel like I am living in two different worlds but it makes me so grateful for the life that I have so this is the last photo that we had as a whanau with my dad before he passed away so this is probably a couple of weeks before I moved to Australia so all the anxiety a lot of it's just gone now and I've, I've just finished my whole speech and now I feel like I need to start again <laughs> I need a retake. <laughs> no, but all the anxiety that I felt tonight has been well worth it if my story has inspired anyone in the room tonight. Um, if I could leave, I just want to leave this one whakatauki. Mate huru huru te manu. So adorn the bird with feathers so it may fly. To me, this whakatauki means chase your dreams. It doesn't matter where you come from. It, it matters where you choose to go. So... Namahi, thank you. <laughs> Real Talk could be coming to a town near you, so check out the Real Talk website, www.realtalknz.co.nz, or follow us on our Instagram at real underscore talk underscore nz to find out where we'll be next. I got you, Real Talk.